You're listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Welcome to The Art of Love. My name is Lucia, and I'm your host and a dating and relationship expert. I'm here to entertain, educate, and enlighten you about love, dating, and relationships. Take your live calls, answer your emails, and speak to authors of books which I find interesting. And this week, another interesting book. It is called The Little Black Book of big red flags relationship warning signs you totally spotted but chose to ignore I think we've all done that at some point or another and uh, there are actually three authors to this book but um, I only have one of them on and that is Natasha Burton and so I would like to welcome her to the show so welcome to the show Natasha thank you thank you for having me thank you for being here a uh, little bio. Natasha Burton is a serial monogamist who is currently the relationships editor of Glow.com, that's G-L-O.com, a lifestyle website partnered with MSL and L magazine. Megan McCrary is an LA-based yoga teacher with an adventurous spirit for romance who has written for a variety of local lifestyle magazines. And Julie Fishman is a sports-playing, tomboy-turned-married comedy screenwriter <laughs> who teaches at a college in Hollywood and writes for screen, print, and web. The three met while getting their master's degrees in creative writing from USC and currently live on in Los Angeles. So this book has a ton of red flags, and the great thing about it is it's pocket-sized. You can carry it with you in case you need to look up a red flag on the fly. So, so <laughs> <laughs> is that why you made it pocket-sized? Well, we unfortunately, we didn't have too much control over, over those kind of things that the publisher did, but we were very excited when they were like, well, we want to round the corners out, we want to make it small, because it really is something that women pop in their purse, you know, even if you're just reading it on, you know, the subway or you're reading it at lunch or whatever, it's nice to kind of have it with you, um, especially if you come across dating disaster. Yeah, absolutely. So then how did the three of you decide to uh, come together and write this book? Well, it all started actually when Megan and I were roommates and we were in grad school at USC and I was single for one of the first times in my life, basically, as, as you said in my bio, I'm a serial monogamist. And so, you know, she was dating, I was dating and we would just come home after, you know, various dates with these horrible stories. And we just couldn't believe we were like half aware of what was happening that like, oh, these guys are terrible, but then we would kind of continue to date them. Right. So we ended up um, starting our blog, BigRedFlags.com, and we just started kind of putting stories up. And um, Julie, who we also went to grad school with, who was, you know, uh, 
actually had a long-term boyfriend. They're now married. And she, you know, thought the stories were hilarious. She was finding stories from her friends. She was getting stories from her own past. And from there, we just kept gathering and gathering until we had enough stories to where we felt like, you know, this could really be a book. And that's when we, you know, approached publishers and kind of went from there. Wonderful. So um, let's give the explanation of what is a red flag. I think I'm sure everyone knows, but just make sure. Yes. So a red flag is where, you know, you're dating a guy, maybe you're, you know, medium for the first time or you're in a relationship and something happens and you just kind of feel weird about it. Something he says, something he does. And instead of, you know, ask him like, hey, you know, that was kind of weird or, you know, can you explain more about that? You kind of just shove it away and say, oh, it's not a big deal. Everything's fine. And then one day you realize that that little red flag you saw at the beginning was actually the seed of a bigger problem and that you should have really just paid attention from the get-go. So, you know, what we're really trying to do with the book and with the blog is to, you know, empower women to recognize these red flags and to ask, you know, the guys that they're dating um, or their boyfriends about the meaning behind them instead of just ignoring them or pretending they don't exist and, you know, not really addressing the issue. Yeah, and also do you find that some people don't even know that certain things are red flags? Yes, I think that, you know, I think on the one hand there are red flags that women don't realize that maybe, you know, a controlling boyfriend is, oh, you know, he's just really concerned about me or he just loves me. Well, no, he's actually controlling. And I think it's, you know, trying to find the difference between that. And then I think, honestly, I think women sometimes want to hear um, what they think they want to hear or they, you know, kind of decide that a guy is a different way than he really is presenting himself because we want to be in love, because we want this guy to be the one. And, you know, we really do tend to, to overlook things that we shouldn't. And I know I've been there. I know Megan and Julie have both been there. So we kind of come to the book with, you know, a wealth of dating experience, as well as the experience of women who have written into us on our blog. Uh, yeah, you know, the story I always tell, and I think I've told it here before on the air, of this girl uh, that I knew, and she'd been dating this guy for seven years, and mm-hmm. he beat her up on the front lawn in their seventh year of dating. Oh, my goodness. In their seventh year, and I'm like, well, weren't there any red flags? She's like, oh, no, there were no red flags. I'm like, hold it. There's no way. He was an angel for seven years. Then one day he totally turned around. And so, Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I you know, started to question her some more, and then I find out, okay, one time they were out to dinner, and she was ta- uh, somehow the guys at the next table were paying attention to her, and there was like four of them, and, uh, you know, her boyfriend was ready to beat, beat all of them up. You know, oh, my. Yeah, things like that. Um, yeah. So, you know, even things like that we might not think are red flags, but then if enough of them show up, then obviously they are. Yes, yes. And I think, you know, every relationship is different. Every woman is different. And I think, you know, obviously there's some flags like, you know, physical, mental, you know, emotional abuse, um, which actually we don't really cover in our book too much. Um because, you know, those are types of things that women really need professional help to, you know, overcome. And we are definitely not <laughs> touting ourselves as professionals by any means, um, but just women who have been through it. But I think a lot of times, you know, you're kind of going through the motions of a relationship and you're not really, you know, paying attention to things that you need to pay attention to. Um, that could be, you know, uh, I guess a, a red flag that there's a bigger problem on the horizon. Yeah. Have you also heard of uh, yellow and orange flags? 
Yes. Well, we we don't we don't do too much of that in our book, but we you know we refer to them as pink flags. Actually, which <laughs> I think yellow and orange makes a lot more sense, and I'm going to suggest that to Megan and Julie when we uh, talk about these things. But yeah, I mean, there's some things that like you know might be a red flag to one woman, but another woman doesn't really mind it so much. Um, you know, some women might not want to be with a guy who plays video games, but another woman might be like, you know what, that's the way that my boyfriend relaxes at the end of the day. I don't really care. So I think it's really up to women to understand what works for them, what doesn't work for them, and to seek out relationships that really speak to their values and their needs. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, we get kind of caught up in, oh, I really just don't want to be single anymore. Oh, you know, I'm approaching such and such age and I really want to be married that we don't take enough time to really think about what we want and value ourselves enough to realize that, you know, we can't afford to be choosy and we can't afford to, you know, really find somebody that, that works well for us. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure because I actually, I don't know. I don't know if I came up with the term, but I used to have a, a TV show, a local TV show, and I started calling certain flags yellow flags and orange flags. So, mm. you know, I'm not saying I I'm the that. first one who came up with it, but anyways, and so I had these different color flags, and then when, whenever we discussed different things, depending on what the topic was, I'd raise up a flag. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't, That's so, oh, I love that. That is so fun. Yeah, you can't do that on the radio, unfortunately. But um, Right, right. Yeah, so I just, you know, and uh, so I always said, okay, so two yellow flags add up to one orange flag, and then two orange flags add up to a red flag. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think that that's absolutely right. I think that, you know, there is this idea of, like, collective behavior, that you have to look at a person as a whole. If, you know, somebody has kind of a yellow flag or an orange flag, and it's like, okay, you know, yes, that's a big deal, um, but it's not that big of a deal. Then if he has 10 of those, I mean, that definitely can be a problem. Yeah, you know, one time I ended up dating uh, an alcoholic, and, you know, I had never dated an alcoholic before. I, you know, I try to avoid mm -hmm. him. <laughs> and, yes. <laughs> and, you know, we had a date, and then he calls me up. He's like, can you come pick me up because I've been drinking. He goes, oh, that, you know, I had some, oh, had some guys over, and I've been drinking, so I shouldn't drive. I'm like, okay, you know, fine. And so I go over there, and he was, you know, kind of out of it. So, you know, I walked, mm -hmm. I walked out because, uh, I mean, I didn't think he was an alcoholic, but I thought, well, how rude. We have a date. This is our first date. You're supposed to be trying to impress me and you're drunk. So I, I, so I walked out. Um, and then I gave him another chance a few weeks later. And we went mm -hmm. to a sushi bar. And this happened to be mm -hmm. a sushi bar that did not serve alcohol. Oh, <laughs> one of the that's few. probably a very good choice. Well, one of the few I didn't know, right? But it was fate. And so he's like, we can't stay here. I'm like, why not? He goes, because I have to have beer with my uh, with my sushi. And so I turned to him and I said, are you an alcoholic? And of course he denied it. Right, right. But of well, I mean, I think that that's one of those things too that you just can't. It, you know, I think for some people, you know, dating somebody that has kind of an issue like that, you know, they say, oh, you shouldn't be prejudiced. You should accept people for who they are. And, and I understand that. But I think that a lot of times if somebody is, either just entering into treatment or needs to enter treatment, that person really isn't going to be good for anybody at that stage that, you know, that it should be avoided to date somebody that's kind of, you know, going through their own stuff, whether it's, you know, alcoholism or if it's, you know, the death of a parent or something like that. You never want to start a relationship when somebody's in kind of a transitional phase like that. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So let's get to some of these red flags. Uh, okay. So you said, um, you know, there are signs that he doesn't consider you his girlfriend. And one of them is, if you're not sure, you probably aren't. 
Yes. I mean, this is one of the things that I think really happens a lot, um, especially with kind of the new, well, it's not new anymore, but this idea of the hookup culture where, you know, men and women don't necessarily have to date. This definitely happens a lot in college and, you know, kind of in your early 20s. But, you know, you instead of a guy picking you up at, you know, 7 p.m. and, you know, taking you out to dinner, it's like, oh, you know, meet me at 10. We're going to this bar. You know, maybe I'll see you. And it's kind of this non-committal um, atmosphere of romance, which frankly isn't very romantic at all. Um, so I think a lot of times, you know, women might go on a date or or what seems to be a date, but it's really just meeting up with some guy at a bar and, you know, go home with him and, oh, he cooked me breakfast in the morning. Oh, this is great. And then he doesn't call for a couple of days. Or you find out on Facebook that he, you know, was with some other girl. And I think it's really up to women to make men accountable for this kind of, you know, behavior, I guess, if we could call it that. And, you know, really ask where they stand. I think women can be a little um, afraid of scaring men away by asking for a commitment too soon. Um, But I think that you're going to be scaring away the wrong men, if that makes sense. That, you know, if you ask a guy for a commitment and he's like, oh, whoa, you know, put, put on the brakes there, lady then that's not the type of guy you want to have as a boyfriend anyway. So you might as well just try and scare everybody off and, mm-hmm. you know, be with the guy who sticks, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then also, I mean, it's just kind of like love. If you're not sure that someone's in love with you, then he probably isn't. Because when someone is in love with you, you totally know it. Don't you find? Exactly. Exactly. If somebody's in love with you, they're going to be, you know, showing you, not necessarily showering you with gifts or, you know, whisking you away to Paris, but they're going to be emotionally connected and invested in you. And I think that, you know, women really need to look past these kind of superficial um, kind of idols of romance, the flowers, the candy, the, you know, everything that comes on Valentine's Day, basically, and really pay attention to how a man treats, you know, them is, you know, is he listening? Is he there for you in a crisis? Is he, you know, making time for you and showing you that you're a priority? Those are the things that, you know, women really need to take into account. Um, yeah, you just remind me of, uh, you know, a guy that I was dating for about six months. And, you know, really never quite sure what, what was going with that, on with that relationship. And then the, the, mm-hmm. the day before Valentine's, he was over at my house. And he was sitting at the other end of the sofa. And um, I asked him, I started to ask him if he could help me with something, late, you know, to come to a store with me later on in the week. And I had barely finished the sentence, and he said, no. And I was like, wow. So I just said, okay, nice to know. And then, right. <laughs> all right, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. Thank you very much. And, right. and then I tried to, you know, touch him with my toes because he was sitting mm-hmm. at the other end of the sofa, and he moved away. And that's, oh my yeah, goodness. and that's when I said, you know what, he doesn't care, it's over, and I broke up with him on Valentine's. Good, good. I mean, I think, honestly, I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of great guys out there that aren't going to be skittish of being there for a woman that still believe in this kind of chivalrous ideal of a man kind of, you know, being a man, I should say, I guess, in a relationship. And I'm not sure what really separates the, the men from the boys in that sense, but I think when you experience firsthand, it's very obvious what that is. Yeah, I mean, I'm very, very sensitive to flags. So I don't, but I don't think most women probably would have broken up with someone by seeing those things. But to me, it's like if you try to touch someone with your toe and they move away, I mean, that pretty much is like, don't touch me, they're saying. Don't you agree? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think especially coming after, you know, such a benign request of, hey, would you like to go to this place with me later in the week? If, if some guy's going to get skittish over that, 
I mean, I don't even want to know what's going to happen if you, you know, happen to have children with him and happen to kind of go down the line and all the other crises that kind of come up in your life. It's, you know, at that point, you kind of just have to walk away and, and consider it's time not wasted, basically. Absolutely. Okay, so another sign you said he doesn't consider you his girlfriend is he actually tells you he doesn't want a girlfriend. I'm just, you know, and just women do not want to listen to that. No, no. And I think that, you know, women often think, too, uh, that they can be the woman to change a man. That, oh, he says he doesn't want a girlfriend, but he'll want me to be his girlfriend. And, you know, that couldn't be further from the case. If a guy is saying up front, I do not want a girlfriend, and you would like to be in a committed relationship, then at that point, women just need to walk away. I mean, there are plenty of fish in the sea. I know that a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of articles that have come out, a lot of studies saying that, you know, there are no more eligible men and, you know, women who are educated are at a disadvantage and, you know, we're all going to have to marry down. Well, we can't use statistics like that and kind of these, you know, media scare tactics in terms of, you know, that we're going to end up old and alone to dictate our love life. It's like there's going to always be another guy. You don't have to sell yourself short on somebody that, doesn't really want to be in a relationship right because you know even if you do stay there and even if you do somehow manage to drag him into marriage it doesn't mean it's going to last so now you've lost you know you've wasted two three four five years for nothing exactly and you know that's really another thing too the idea of marriage and a lot of these you know a lot of relationship books will kind of tell you that oh well if he's dragging his feet then you need to give him an ultimatum or if he you know doesn't want to commit then you really need to kind of you know do x y and z to get him to propose and that's always been very antithetical especially to you know myself and my co-authors that if a guy doesn't want to do something you convincing him to do it either by some kind of you know charming tactics or by you know threatening him it doesn't exactly give you that happily ever after that you want. Sure, you might get married. Sure, he might propose. But if it only came because you were threatening him, it doesn't really mean anything. So I think, you know, we really want to encourage women to take what men say at face value and to go by, you know, trust their gut and to really analyze a man's character and make sure that it's something that they, you know, can trust and that they find is, you know, worthy of them. Right. Okay, so moving along to another section of red flags, there's the part uh, signs he's treating you like a slut. And one of the signs yes. is he cuts right to the chase. Yes. I mean, I think that, you know, obviously there are many women that can, you know, go out with a guy, have sex, wake up in the morning, see you later, doesn't think twice about it. She's not you know, wondering if he's thinking about her. She's not wondering if he's going to call. And, you know, personally, I am not woman, one of those women. So uh, power to him. But I think that, you know, sometimes when women are, you know, trying to kind of get a guy to be something more, they might jump into bed a little bit too quickly. And, you know, men aren't really, you know, they're, they're just wanting to have sex. They're not wanting to create a relationship. They're not wanting to, you know, make anything more than it is. So I would definitely advise women to, you know, not enter into one of those no strings attached relationships with the hopes that strings will eventually, you know, attach. Yeah. And this is such an easy red flag to spot because, you know, I've met several guys on the net and I mean, there was one guy that he was already trying to do phone sex on the phone before we even met. And, mm, and mm -hmm. then uh, another guy, the first date, within like the first five, ten minutes, he's like, oh, I wonder how you are in bed. <laughs> and it, you're just like, who responds to that? I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, these men that are out there, 
Like, what woman is going to say, oh, I'm so glad you asked. Let me, you know, why don't we just cut to the chase? I should have said I mean, that. it's just not going to happen. I should have said that. Well, let me tell you how I am. <laughs> and then tell Like, well, if you must know. Yeah, and then say, but you're never going to know because I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, and then another sign is his dick always comes first. Yes. There are some men that they just, you know, they're not really thinking too much about, you know, your pleasure, your, you know, your comfort level, and they just are looking out for, you know, their number one. So I think that, um, you know, women can obviously spot that very quickly. It's, you know, when you're out on a first date and a guy's like, oh, you know, what are you doing after this? Like, oh, you should come back to my place before you've even, you know, gotten the appetizer, talked about where you went to college, et cetera, et cetera. I think that, you know, there are definitely women that are okay with that, and there are definitely women that seek that out. Mm-hmm. But if that's not what you're looking for, then you just really need to be aware of that. Yeah. Um, I was on this one site, and, you know, I said I'm looking for a classy gentleman, blah, blah, blah. And so this mm-hmm. one, one guy came at me, you know, sexually. And so I wrote back to him, like, what in my profile made you think that I would be interested in that? And he goes, oh, well, women don't say it, but that's what they want. <laughs> Yeah, I we actually, uh, my co-author Megan and I did an interview with a, a gentleman that actually had that as his philosophy. He was kind of a relationship coach of some sort, and his philosophy was that, you know, women might say no, but they mean yes. And we were quite offended by that, not going to lie. We were like, um, pretty sure that you shouldn't be taking no as yes. That's just not yeah. just not how, not how it works. Yeah, I think it's kind of illegal if you do. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We were like, um, okay, we're, we're done with this. Right, exactly. Um, okay, so moving on to another section, signs that he's a okay. player. So I was surprised you said it, that he's too good to be true. What do you mean by that? Well, I think that, you know, personally I haven't had a lot of experience with this, but we did have a lot of women writing into our website about this phenomenon where, you know, a guy will just kind of put on those smooth moves that – seem like they're, you know, chivalrous, or they seem like they're very gentlemanly, but really they're just these kind of stereotypical motions of what men think that women want. Mm -hmm. So it might be a guy who's just like, oh, you know, sending you roses, or oh, you know, giving you, giving you, um, you know, these kind of like fake little like love letters that are like, oh, I just love being with you, and oh, you're so great. But he can't really get down to the details of why he likes being with you or why he thinks you're so great. It's all just very superficial surface. And I think sometimes it can be very hard to spot because you feel like somebody's lavishing attention and gifts on you, but it's really the same gifts and attention he could be giving to 10 other women because it's not specific or personal. So I think that's just something to kind of look out for of, you know, a guy who seems like he's, you know, if he's too good to be true, honestly, he usually is. He's too smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because usually players, they, they know women very well. They know what they respond to. And, well, that's mm-hmm. why they're called players, because they know how to play women. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, because, you know, I mean, some people might consider me too good to be true, but I'm not a player. <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, so now the section on sex, for you, uh, if I understood correctly, you said if he's bad, he's bad in bed, is that a red flag if someone is bad in bed? I mean, it is and it isn't. I think that, you know, yes, it, well, it is, it is. But I think that there's a difference between being bad in bed and willing to learn. 
and bad in bed and just caring about, you know, his own needs. I think that, you know, part of being bad in bed and a lot of what we discuss in the chapter is a guy who just is completely unwilling to listen to, you know, what a woman's kind of saying, responding to her cues, and is really unwilling to meet her halfway in the bedroom. You know, definitely, you know, if a guy is not great in bed, that, that usually can be fixed. But a guy who's unwilling to learn, that can't. Right. And also, you know, we talked about the hookup culture earlier, which, you know, I think is crazy because if someone doesn't really care about you, um, then the guy is just going to be trying to get, get off. He's not going to be caring about whether you are satisfied. Oh, exactly. I mean, you basically are reduced to a receptacle. And that's just not, that's not what sex is supposed to be about. I mean, it's, you can have it with as many people as you want, as much as you want. It's not like it's, I, I wouldn't say that, oh, it's a sacred, you know, thing that only committed couples need to, it's like, oh, fine, you know, go sleep with whoever you want. But, you know, you need to be enjoying the experience. I think sometimes, and I actually read a study about this, particularly about younger women, that, you know, the idea of pleasing a guy is more important than their own pleasure. And I think that that's a, a very big problem that, you know, young women are falling into because they're not really listening to their bodies and responding to those cues. They're going through the motions because they think that's what a guy wants. Right. Meanwhile, on the other hand, it's probably like it's actually it's the total opposite. They appreciate a woman who knows what she wants and she's going to make sure she gets it. Exactly. Exactly. And I think and the right kind of guy is that way. Right. Okay. And then also another red flag for the bed section, the sex section. Uh, you said he doesn't understand foreplay. Yes. I think that, you know, adult men should be aware that foreplay is part of sex you know i mean if if they're if they didn't listen in high school biology or if they you know haven't heard a woman speak about sex ever okay fine but it's part of the package and i think that you know it is a red flag that if a guy just kind of just wants to do a wham bam thank you ma'am you know sex especially on the first time that you have sex with somebody Mm -hmm. i think that that's very telling that you know clearly either he hasn't had a lot of sex, which is fine, and, you know, maybe he's willing to learn, or that's just the way that he goes about it, and that could, you know, show a bigger problem. That could show misogyny. That could show, you know, that he's just not very caring. Um, There's a lot that can go with that, and I think that women just need to say, hey, what's going on? Yeah, but don't you find also, I think, I mean, no, guys, they're more aware of of women's needs today. I think most guys know that there needs to be some foreplay. Yes, exactly. And if and if he's too clueless to not know that, that's that's an issue. Right. And then you also talk about bad after sex etiquette. So what is some of that bad after sex etiquette? Well, I think that you know to give a, a couple of kind of random examples, but you know if at, right after you have sex with a guy, he pulls out his iPhone and is you know playing his words with friends game. <laughs> It's kind of like, okay, well, thanks, I guess, you know, that was great. I think that, you know, men, just like foreplay, men kind of need to be aware and they should be aware that women need a little bit of, you know, or most women at least, need a little bit of comfort, not comforting after sex, but need, you know, some kind of cuddling or some kind of affirmation. Um, It's really the bookends of the sexual experience, the foreplay and kind of the aftermath. And I think that, you know, either a guy kind of just, zones out in the moment and is like, oh, I'm going to, you know, get on my phone or I'm going to go check my email or do something like that, it can be really off-putting and kind of, you know, again, to go back to that he's making you feel like a slut, kind of make you feel like, okay, 
I guess my job here is done. Um, thanks. So I think that, you know, this is something that I think women, if they're feeling that way, need to just be communicative. And this is one of those red flags that I think can be easily reversed. That, you know, if after sex, the guy's kind of like, you know, all right, done. Women need to be like, hey, that's not cool with me. You know, can we, you know, can we cuddle a little bit? Can you not pick up your phone right away? And how the guy responds to that is, you know, going to be telling about the type of person that he is. See, I wouldn't even go that far. I mean, I just say, you know, let a person do what they're going to do, and then I do what I'm going to do. So if if someone treats me like that after sex, and it's like, okay, you know what? I guess he's not that interested, so, you know, why am I even here? Because what's what's the point of, you know, if I have to ask you to cuddle with me, I mean, you should want to do that. And if you don't, there's a reason. Right. I mean, especially in the early stages of a relationship. It's like, you know, it, it would it's very odd if a guy is just like, okay, well, thanks. And that's really it. So I think that, you know, I think it's up to women to kind of really pay attention to that behavior, especially if a guy doesn't want to stay the night, doesn't want you to stay the night, and it's the first time that you guys have, you know, been intimate. I think that's very telling. Um, And just if there's any changes in his attitude or changes in the way that he's treating you, I mean, I think that, you know, women need to be very attuned to that. Yeah. Do you think it's a red flag if you have sex with a guy and then he doesn't uh, contact you the next day? Yes. I do. I think that most, uh, the way I look at it is that, you know, if a guy, if you're allowing a man to have sex with you and he just, you know, doesn't call you the next day, it shows that he doesn't really value the experience in some ways. I mean, sure, like, you know, some guys can be absent-minded. Some guys can get busy. They can forget. You know, that happens. But I think if it's the first time that you've slept with somebody, if you've been on dates with this person, if you've invested time in this person and he doesn't call, then it's like, well, what else is he going to forget to do? What else is he going to be cutting corners on? Um, you know, it's really a no-brainer thing that every guy should know to do. Right. And if he's not doing it, then that's a sign that, you know, there might be some other ways that he's going to fall short. Right, exactly. Um, a few years ago, um, you know, I was messing around with someone. We didn't go all the way. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, and then I didn't hear from him for two weeks. <laughs> so, you know... So I didn't get upset. You know, I'm experienced. I'm older. So the next time he came over and he wanted to do something, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm just not comfortable being intimate with someone that I don't communicate with for two weeks. Yeah. I mean, that's really it. I mean, women need, I think most women need to have that back and forth. It can't just be all about sex. There needs to be another component of the relationship or else, you know, what's really the point? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, he got the message, you know, because maybe someone else, they would have gotten upset and like, hey, well, you didn't call me and they could have been a big fight. But instead, I just basically laid down the law and told them, in, you know, without indirectly that, hey, he was now cut off and there was not going to be any more sex because he didn't contact me for two weeks. Right, exactly. So, um, yeah. okay, yeah. moving on. Signs he doesn't love you. This is a big one. He doesn't make you feel special. And women don't realize, maybe because a lot of times they haven't been made to feel special, that he's supposed to make you feel special. Yes, exactly. And I think, you know, maybe that's a problem with, you know, movies today or whatever it is. But, you know, a lot of the, I guess, symbols of love that women get maybe just don't show that there is a very tender aspect to relationships that should exist. And, you know, one of the flags that we talk about in this section that really has to do with this idea of being special is a guy who has a lot of female friends who, despite the fact you're in a relationship with him, feels that he needs to kind of tend to their needs as well. And, you know, this isn't to say that, 
you know, men and women in relationships shouldn't have friends of the opposite sex. But at some point, we all need to grow up. We all need to be adults. And when you are in a committed relationship with somebody, you shouldn't be, you know, going over to your ex-girlfriend's house to fix her computer. Or you shouldn't be, you know, going out for happy hour with, you know, three other girls. It doesn't matter how long you've known them. It doesn't matter how, you know, connected you used to be. But at some point, men and women need to put their partner first. And that's just, you know, the reality of it. It's part of growing up. Right. And it's not even anything to get upset about. It's like, you know, okay, hey, no, I don't. If you don't want someone that's still in in, uh, contact with an ex, then you can just say, I'm sorry, but, you know, I don't want to be dating someone who's still in contact with an ex, as opposed to saying, you need to stop seeing her. Exactly. And some women might not have an issue with it. Some women might be like, you know what? I'm actually still friends with my ex-boyfriend. We're, you know, on good terms. And, you know, I'm fine with you talking to your ex every now and then on the phone. But I think that, you know, both people in the relationship need to make a concerted effort to show the person that they're with that they are their number one and that they're the person that they put first. And however that manifests, you know, that manifests. But it's a very important component to a relationship. I find that it's the little things because, you know, if they're willing to do the little things, then they care. You know, like the story I told you earlier where the guy didn't want to come with me somewhere later in the week. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like I was in um, Hawaii with the guy and, um, you know, I realized I'd forgotten my toothbrush. <laughs> and it was, you know, like oh. five in the morning and he was in bed. He, without me even asking, he got up, got dressed and went out looking for a toothbrush for me. Oh, so, I mean, that is definitely, that is a, a green a green flag, yeah, I would say. Yeah, so it's, it's the little things that <laughs> yeah. tell you. You know, he made yeah. me feel special, and, you know, he showed me that, you know, he's going to do whatever it takes to make me happy. Exactly, and I think that, you know, men might interpret this as like, oh, we expect you to go above and beyond, we expect you to drop, you know, everything for us, but it's really not about that. It's more just show, it's little tokens of appreciation and showing that you're special, and I think that, you know, women women need to expect that, and I think men need to, you know, do that if they're with somebody. Yeah, but, you know, I think if a guy is in love or falling in love, he just naturally does those things. Yes, and I think that's what the flag is. I think that if a guy isn't, you know, making you feel special or he's not, you know, even appreciating you for who you are and is, you know, kind of excited about the things that you bring to the table – then that's a sign that he's just not, you know, not to quote another book title, but he's just not that into you. <laughs> and I think that, you know, a, a guy who is really into you isn't going to be indifferent towards you. He's going to be excited about you and the relationship. And, of course, that ebbs and flows over time when you're married or you're in a long-term relationship. But at the very beginning, at the very least, the guy should be, you know, very excited to be with you. Yeah, absolutely. And then the same guy on that same trip, we were on this boat uh, whale watching, and uh, mm. I got seasick. I'm not good on boats. And, you know, we still hadn't seen any whales. And, you know, so, <laughs> so yeah, so I get seasick just when the whale shows up. And uh, Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and so I'm on the side of the boat because I think I'm going to throw up, and I'm like, hand him my camera, I'm like, take a picture of the whale. And he's like, no, I'm going to stay with you and make sure you're okay. I'm like, no, take a picture of the whale. <laughs> and he would not he would not go take a picture of that whale. I'm like, listen, next time <laughs> I go, there was nothing he could have done to help me unless he had some ginger ale. Right. If I was going to be sick, I was going right. to be sick. So I'm like, you could have, should have just taken, you know, we waited all that time and we never got a picture. <laughs> so. But that does show that, you know, that it, in times of crisis, you know, mm-hmm. if you're birthing a child at some point, that he's going to be right by your side. And I think that, 
you know, I think that women overlook little things like that too. That, I mean, obviously not in your case, cause you could see how, you know, how special that, you know, that extra effort was. But I think that women don't realize that they can have a relationship where that happens and that it doesn't need to be, you know, the way that, the way that it is. Yeah, exactly. It's not the grand gestures. It's the little, little signs. Um, okay. Exactly. Yeah. So moving on signs, he's a control freak. He tells you how he expects you to behave, and I'm surprised at how many women are actually, you know, been with guys who have told them that, and sometimes they actually listen. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, sometimes, you know, uh, and actually I, in this section I have one of these, uh, one of the stories in here is actually my story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went on a first date with a guy who basically told me before we, you know, before the bread basket even came, you know, exactly how the date was going to go. He, you know, told me that he only called a girl twice after a date, and if I didn't call him back, he would delete my number. And, you know, that was a little scary because I was like, okay, well, you know, we haven't even really figured out if we like each other yet, um, but now I already know that you're going to write me off if I do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I'm actually very good friends with this guy now. Um, but if we turned out we weren't a very good romantic connection. Um, so we kind of laugh about it now, but I think that sometimes, you know, there's, there's two sides of control freak. Yeah. There's a control freak because he's, you know, nervous or he's you know, kind of self-conscious or he doesn't really have a lot of, um, you know, he's not, he's not very, savvy. I guess, Socially prideful savvy. of himself in some ways. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, the other one where literally the guy's basically a sadist and expects you to, just, he says, when, you know, uh, control freak behavior can come from a very vulnerable place or it can come from a very um, scary place. And it's, you know, you just have to figure out where it's coming from. Right. And I also think another form of control, which a lot of people miss, but of course not me, <laughs> is um, <laughs> when someone says, oh, oh, I've been so hurt in my last relationship. Oh, I don't know if I can make a commitment. It's like basically he's saying, you know, you better tread carefully or I'm not going to be able to have a relationship or a commitment with you. Mm-hmm, exactly. Where it's like, basically you need to walk on eggshells. And at any point I can say, well, that reminds me of my ex or, Oh, you know, sorry, you failed. And I think that, you know, women need to not fall for the kind of pity party that a guy's having and, you know, say, okay, look, you're clearly not ready for a relationship. So, you know, come find me when you are or don't. Exactly. And then finally, um, He's the worst by association, so his friends are terrible and his exes are crazy. Yes, I think that, you know, obviously you you don't want to rule out a guy just because you don't get along with his friends, but this goes beyond that. If, you know, a guy, they're just downright scary or they're just people that you wouldn't want to be around the rest of your life, you really need to take that into account. Um, you know, most guys aren't going to be giving up their best friend for you. They're not going to be giving up the groups that they associate for you. And especially when this, you know, this can also um, come into play with family. You know, if you don't like a guy's family, Mm -hmm. like these are the people that are going to be around your children someday. And if you don't like them or you think that they are, you know, not good people, then you you do need to take that into account, especially if a long-term relationship is what you're after. Yeah, and also the part about the crazy exes. I mean, as soon as someone said, oh, my ex says, oh, my ex is crazy, then it's like, to me, that's a red flag. And then it means that you're probably crazy, too, because you're the one who dated her. Exactly. I mean, it either means that, you know, that, yes, that the guy has a history of crazy and is addicted to kind of this drama, 
Or I think that especially if you're on a first date and somebody kind of comes out trashing their ex, it shows that they're a jerk probably more than the ex is mm-hmm. if they're still talking about it. Right. Exactly. So it's not a good sign when someone trashes their ex. You know, the only thing you're supposed to really say is, well, you know, it didn't work out, and but he's a wonderful person. Exactly. And you know what? If, if both people are comfortable with it, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, you know, this is the type of person I used to be attracted to in the past. This is why it didn't work out. These are kind of the things that trigger me in a fight, and I know this because I used to fight about this with so-and-so. I think that that can be very helpful, but that's when you're in a relationship stage. That's when you're starting to deal with conflict, and you're trying to resolve it, and you're using your history in a way that's constructive to your current relationship. But I think just kind of, you know, lamenting, oh, I only date crazy girls, or for girls, I only date, you know, bad boys. It's like, okay, that says a lot more about you than it does mm-hmm. about the people that you dated. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yes, there are way uh, way more red flags than the ones we talked about today. Uh, your website is bigredflags.com, and you also yeah. have the Big Red Flags app. So talk a little bit about that. Well, uh, we launched the app in December of last year, and if you have an iPhone or an iPad, you can just type in Big Red Flags into your iTunes store, and it will come up. And uh, most of the components of the app are free. Um, this is kind of a red flag of the week that pops up on your phone every week, as well as an opportunity to read the blog on your phone and read everybody's stories, as well as submit your own story. And then we also have a 99-cent paid upgrade where you can get advice from us uh, through little message boards, as well as um, other users. We have some quizzes. We have a red flag fortune teller where you basically ask a question and shake your phone, which is kind of just a fun uh, bells and whistle type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really great. It's a good way for people who are fans of the blog or who want to just be able to read the blog on their phone to see a better format of it um, and kind of take it on the go. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thanks so much for being on. Again, the book is called The Little Black Book of Big Red Flags, Relationship Warning Signs You Totally Spotted But Chose to Ignore. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. All the best. Bye. Bye. All right. So we have a few minutes here, and I'm going to do my favorite segment, which I rarely do and which I should do more often, but I haven't. So here we go. Celebrity Corner. All right, so if you're a fan of Dancing with Stars, and who isn't, you of course know who Mark Ballas is. And uh, last week, TMZ uh, got him in a video having a fight with his girlfriend. Now, he's about 25, and I think she's around the same age. So this was a six-minute video of them arguing outside a club uh, in the evening Uh, on Hollywood Boulevard and it was just funny uh, for me anyways as a dating and relationship expert to see this because so many fights are unnecessary and this was definitely an unnecessary fight especially in public I mean is there ever really a reason to fight in public Um, I don't think so and basically the fight was over a scooter and smoking (laughs) it already sounds ridiculous right Uh, because they had uh, their dating their boyfriend girlfriend And she had agreed to give up her scooter. I don't know why. And he had agreed to give up smoking. So they each gave up something for the other. And apparently her girlfriend saw him smoking and told her. And so she got upset. And so that's how this um, 
argument came about. And so I just find it interesting, you know, being older, now you see things differently. And an older woman would probably never have gotten into this situation, into this type of argument, because we wouldn't not, we wouldn't even have let it get this far. Because uh, first of all, you know, if I'm riding a scooter and uh, I start dating someone, he's like, well, I want you to stop riding your scooter. I'd be like, no, I want to ride my scooter. Why should I give it up, you know? And I would never ask someone to stop doing whatever they were doing, you know, smoking. You know, if I don't want to be with a smoker, then I won't date a smoker. Um, and I'll tell him that. And if he says, okay, I'm going to stop or I'm going to try to smoke or I'm going to try to smoke, I'm going to try to stop, I'll be like, fine or no, that's not fine. Or I might say, okay, if you want to smoke, fine, but don't do it around me. And we can come to that kind of agreement. But I'm not going to tell someone to stop smoking. And, you know, that's an addiction. Someone is not going to stop smoking generally from one day to the next. Uh, they, most people can't quit cold turkey. So, um, you know, I would never do that. Okay, so, but um, let's say somehow for some reason I made that deal. And then if a girlfriend came to me and said, hey, I saw him smoking, I wouldn't get upset because I'd be like, of course, he's going to be sneaking a cigarette once in a while because it's an addiction. It's going to happen. I don't expect him to be perfect. So I wouldn't even um, have made a big issue out of it. But you know, when you're in your early 20s, everything's a big issue, right? And um, so one of the lines she said was, well, you know, how am I supposed to trust you? You said you weren't going to smoke and you smoked. And what else have you lied to me about? You know, your typical line, what else have you lied to me about? So they were just going back and forth. And at some point, he got sick of it, and he, he came up with a great line. I don't know if he came up with it, but he said, you can cry me a river and swim in it for all I care. <laughs> I'm like, what a brilliant line. And her response was, you're being mean to me right now. <laughs> Do you like my interpretation of a 20-year-old being upset? You're being mean to me right now. That's how they sound, I think. I don't know. Um, and when a woman says that, what she really means is you're not making an effort to understand where I'm coming from, and it feels as if you don't care. But, of course, she's not old enough to use those words, so she just uh, goes to that default, you're being mean to me. Um, and then, you know, he took back his um, house key off her keychain and walked away, and but then they end up leaving together that night and blah, you know, all is well, blah, blah, blah. All is well, you know, for now. I, this obviously isn't going to last. I mean, this is not the way to have a relationship. But I know there's a lot of arguments that go on like this all the time, and they're just so unnecessary. Um, you know, and you and so you avoid them by first of all not making um, agreements like the one that they made. You know, you can't. A person has to change because they want to change, not because you told them to. So I would never try to change anyone, uh, like I. I said to Natasha during the interview, I said, you know, I let a person do what they do, and then I'm going to do what I do. So if I don't want to be with a smoker, or if I don't want to be with someone who drinks, <laughs> if I don't want to be with an alcoholic, then I'm just not going to date him. I'm not going to try to change him. That's where problems start. People are who they are, and they'll change when they're ready to change. So if instead of trying to change the guy, just change guys. Get another guy. Hey, what a concept. You know, get a guy who doesn't smoke, who doesn't drink, who doesn't do all that. You know, but I don't think you should be changing um, for someone uh, just to make them happy. You know, you were, because then that's when you get upset afterwards. You're like, well, I changed for you. Well, I sacrificed for you. Well, maybe you shouldn't have. <laughs> so it's love is not about sacrifice. I know most people think it is, but 
you know, we want to be free. At the at our foundation, we want to be free. And when we don't feel free, that's when we get upset. And that's where a lot of problems come from because people don't feel free. And even if you are in a relationship, you still need to feel some type of freedom in it. So that is it for this week. I would like to thank my guest, Natasha Burton, and the other two writers who could not be on the show today, Julie Fishman and Megan McCrary. The book, of course, Big Red Flags, Relationship Warning Signs, you totally <laughs> sp uh, spotted but chose to ignore. Their website is bigredflags.com, and of course, they have the app. You might want to check that app out. And my website is theartoflove.net, where you can sign up for my free weekly newsletter. And I have videos there. I have the latest news. I finally put up an interview I did last year, and I finally found out it came out in December. It was with, um, well, it's in Spanish, so I hope you read Spanish. <laughs> it's with El Mercurio in Chile. Uh, that's my latest update, in case you wanted to know. And there's a whole bunch of other things happening, so check out theartoflove.net. I also have my book, Lucia's Lessons of Love, and that is available at lessonsoflove.net. Of course, I have my Facebook page, which I love, and a shout-out to anyone who's listening from Facebook, and that's facebook.com slash cougarexpert. So that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, remember that love inspires, empowers, uplifts, and enlightens. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio.